0: Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And just when you didn't think it could get any worse for the Green Bay Packers, they lose at home to the Detroit Lions for the first time in 24 years. The one and seven Detroit Lions by a final score of 18 to 16, and that really doesn't tell the score the story of how. Badly they were dominated and how bizarre this game was. And Matt, the intro song that I used for this episode was the theme song to the old rescue nine one one TV show. Uh, Not only is that relevant because the Packers season appears to be on life support, but also because the last time that show was relevant was in the 1991, 92 TV season, which was the last time the Lions beat the Packers at Lambeau. Wow.
1: Yeah. And what a, I can't think of an adjective to even describe the game. Terrible, stupid. I mean, there's just it was like everything. I mean, both teams played so bad, Mm -hmm. and I I was 99% sure they were going to bounce back and play better this week, just because that's what they do. You know, not necessarily that they were going to be better overall, but that they'd come out and Aaron Rodgers would play outstanding and they'd throttle the Lions because that's how things have gone for this team. Mm -hmm. And so to not show up at all for that game and play that bad was kind of a big time eye opener for me.
0: Yeah, this felt a lot like the 2009 Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, except even worse being at home and against the Lions. I didn't feel like they were going to lose until down what was it, 12 to 10 when they gave up that basically end zone to end zone drive to the Lions for a touchdown. That's when I'm like, "Okay, they're they're going to lose." But up until that point, even only 3-3 at the half and even down 12 to 3, I'm like, "Well, there's no way they're going to lose this game. They're going to find a way to pull it out." But something is clearly wrong (laughs) with this team, and it's all on the offensive side of the football. The defense, we've talked about ad nauseum for years. They played pretty well yesterday, of course, right up until you actually needed them, and then they played terrible, like usual. But this offense is something that we haven't seen in Green Bay since maybe that 1991 season because they haven't been this inept for a long, long time, and even including potentially that stretch when they didn't have Aaron Rodgers a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, they, they were still a lot better than this.
0: They at least could move the ball a little yeah. bit. I mean, they weren't scoring a ton, but it was mostly because of turnovers and things like that. Outside of that Detroit game on Thanksgiving, they can at least move the ball. This team can't do anything.
1: Yeah, and I don't, I haven't heard any good theories or anything yet as to how, what could possibly be happening here because this is the most bizarre turn of events that I've seen with a football team mm-hmm. for an offense that was such a juggernaut and even earlier this year when they didn't look you know, as good as they normally do, they were still very, very good, and Mm -hmm. now they look just terrible, and they can't seem to do anything much well. Mm -hmm. Um, I I haven't heard much in terms of news today. I haven't had a chance to look yet, but I know there was some speculation about the play calling back to McCarthy, obviously.
0: McCarthy Um, endorsed Clements this afternoon. He's keeping the play calling duties.
1: Wow. So, I mean, that seems to be the thing you could point your finger at. Well, what's the difference between this year and all of the years past? Mm -hmm. And that's the difference, I guess. It just seems like all of a sudden all of these players are bad. And to have seen them for years and years be very, very good, mm-hmm. it, that's, I, mean, I don't know how you could come up with another conclusion other than that's a problem.
0: Well, I'm glad you said that because I have five potential explanations for the offense's good. decline that I wanted to bring up that we could discuss. And so here is the format. I'll give a reason. I'll say why it's possible and also why it's not possible that it's the reason, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. Okay. So the first one is the one that's been talked about for a long time, that the Packers really, really need Jordy Nelson on this team. And, of course, the reason that's possible is the Packers' passing offense, as we've talked for weeks, and many people who are much smarter and more in tune to their strategy than we are have been saying is that the Packers run a ton of outside route concepts that are very isolated and the only way they can work across the board on offense is they need to have some physical mismatch a guy who can consistently win his one-on-one matchup and create chaos in the back end of the of the play jordy nelson was that guy before him it was greg jennings they always wanted jermichael finley to be that guy and he never quite could be but now they don't have any guys like that and so that is really putting the pressure on these other guys who aren't necessarily those type of receivers that can beat one-on-one coverage The reason that it's not that likely, however, is there's no way the offense can be that simple, I don't think. And as much as I love Jordy Nelson, he's not 1987 Jerry Rice. He's never even been a first team all pro. So for him to mean that much is ridiculous when there's other teams that Dallas has been more effective with Matt Castle and Des Bryant on the, uh, Matt Castle playing quarterback and Des Bryant on the bench. There's no way. As good as Jordy is, he's not Don Hudson. He can't mean that much.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's obviously a huge loss, and that takes away from what your offense has been, but I mean adjust. I, I mean, if that's your whole offensive <laughs> concept, and you realize you're missing a guy you need to make it work, then adjust your play calling and your strategy. It doesn't seem like that difficult of a thing, but uh, maybe on a a different larger topic it just seems like this organization is refuses to adjust anything sometimes <laughs> yeah and it's been a positive a lot there's been a lot of stability in the organization but for for times like this it just seems like they're so unwilling to change anything
0: yeah which segues nicely into my second reason which is tom clements being the play caller um as i said js online is reporting that tom clements will retain his play calling duties This certainly could be the problem. I think the reason is kind of the the too-many-cooks-in-the-kitchen philosophy that McCarthy has a vision for the offense, but it's almost through a game of telephone that it gets diluted to the point where by the time they're being implemented, it's not quite what McCarthy is thinking. Mm -hmm. And if he's the mastermind of this offense, there could be a disconnect there perhaps. And perhaps this leaves too much wiggle room for Aaron Rodgers to have influence on this. And as much as we like Aaron Rodgers, you know... (laughs) You can't be a coach and a player, I don't think. With modern NFL offenses, you you need some input from somebody else. But on the flip side, they're still the exact same plays they've always run. Clements has been here as long as McCarthy has. He knows this offense. There's no way it could be that simple that he's just an idiot when it comes to calling plays.
1: Right, and I I guess that's, you know, when I say that before, part of the reason why I lean to thinking that might not be the, the big, big problem is because like it, it does seem like the offense is still the same. like It, it is the same play plays that McCarthy has called. And it seems like in the past when we haven't been able to hit deep threats like we just talked about with Jordy, this has kind of happened to a, a much smaller scale. Mm-hmm. They haven't completely shut down on offense altogether. But it's, I, I mean, it's just, to me, this is the one thing I would probably lean towards and say it, it probably has the most impact just because, Every position on the offense has gotten worse. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, there's gotta be some major factor and maybe your next three has, has that factor, but I can't think of anything that's more kind of encompassing than the offensive play call, play calling.
0: Yeah. And my other three aren't quite dealing with, with coaching and stuff, but to me, this one has the most potential to be true and maybe not Tom Clements personally, but they pulled a 2004 Packers, which is appropriate because the last time I remember a midseason play caller change was in 2004 when the Packers were terrible and then Sherman took over and decided that we weren't going to run as much with our 2,000-yard running back anymore, and somehow it worked and transformed him into one of the most prolific offenses in the league. But that team, if you remember correctly, fired Ndottetel and completely restructured their defense to stop 4th and 26. It was one play, it was a fluke, they may may never encounter it again, and I don't think ever really did, for the rest of their careers. And they built their defense to stop a moment that they'd never have again. And it felt like the Packers blew up a very successful system, with McCarthy in the play calling, and restructuring a lot on offense, and him getting more involved in other parts of the team, and I gotta fix the special teams, because they did it as a response to a cavalcade of unlikely circumstances in Seattle that will never happen again if they're in Green Bay for a hundred more years. And why rock the boat when it it was a hundred-year storm that that hit it? It's not the boat's fault that it sank. It's a circumstances you'll never see again. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I, I feel like this may be the reverberations of them overreacting to a ridiculous circumstance and somehow taking that as an indictment of their system.
1: So are you saying specifically with him giving up the play calling, or or what what else specifically are you saying in terms of the changes? I know you mentioned the special yeah. teams, but what kind of impact is that having on what's going on right now?
0: Well, I think McCarthy took a hands-off approach to his offense, which he'd been hands-on. It had been incredibly successful. There's not a good argument to be made that McCarthy's not one of the best offensive minds in the NFL right now. And he did that because he wanted to have a larger scope of the entire team. And specifically in the offseason, he mentioned to fix special teams. Well, special teams is terrible. It's as bad as it was last year. So clearly he gave up what he's best at to go help with something else, and he hasn't helped at all. So he's made the offense worse, and he hasn't made those other areas better. So I think they've given up a strength to correct a weakness, and instead you have a lesser strength and a continual weakness. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah It seems a, it seems strange to give up the one thing that you're you're known as being really really strong at, and taking on something. I'd, has he ever even been a special teams coach? At least in his recent history, I I don't I, think I mean, so. Pretty much all offensive coordinator stuff, right? Quarterback coach. Yeah. So, yeah, that's very strange. It was kind of strange when it came out, but like you said, it was a reaction to the Seattle game and red zone struggles last year, and we thought maybe that would be the thing they needed to get over the hump, but instead it's pushed them way back down the hump.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I don't know. I think a strength and a weakness, as you mentioned, is the stability of this team. I think McCarthy is too loyal, perhaps, to Clements to embarrass him and take that the reins back at midseason uh and and who knows what that would do to his and Rodgers' uh relationship if he would were to do that i don't know a ton about Rodgers' role in the new offense but you got to think it's somewhat more expanded and i don't know it's seeing some of the ways that Rodgers has reacted on the sidelines lately i feel like their relationship is fractured at best right now and i don't think that uh changing anything on offense midseason would help anything
1: yeah, that, that's tough because you know he doesn't like feeling this way. But I just kind of knowing Aaron Rodgers' personality, he's—I don't know—I don't. He probably wouldn't say, "Yeah, give it back to McCarthy." I, it just doesn't seem like he would put the blame on that necessarily. I'm not quite sure, but yeah. I, I, I feel like if you asked him in a, in a one-on-one private interview, like, "Would would you like to give it back to McCarthy?" I don't even know if he'd say yes.
0: I yeah, know. I don't know. I I get the sense over the years that he thinks. McCarthy is not as smart as he is yeah
1: I kind of agree with you there like it's not just this year like you kind of always see them having weird interactions on the sidelines and you almost kind of think that Rodgers maybe looks down on McCarthy a little bit at times
0: yeah I, I think that's absolutely true all right reason number three the offensive line isn't as good and never was as good as they were last year and that's
1: that's reason four right
0: um Well, no, I guess that last big, long discussion was... Kind of
1: squished together.
0: Yeah, it was Clement's play calling slash McCarthy changing up roles, including Hizzle. Gotcha, okay. So restructuring in the coaching staff slash strategy. Okay, so the reason, number three, the offensive line isn't as good and never was as good as they were in 2014, why it's possible, outside of the time when Eddie Lacy was at his peak, the O-line has never been a force since 2010 when Sitton, Lang, and Bulaga became full-time starters. Here are how they finished in yards per carry rushing and sacks. In 2010, 25th in yards per carry, 22nd in sacks. In 2011, 26th in yards per carry, 22nd in sacks. 2012, uh, 22nd in yards per carry, 31st in sacks. 2013, 4th in yards per carry rushing on Eddie Lacy's rookie year, 24th in sacks. Last year, 10th in yards per carry rushing, 11th in sacks allowed. This year, they're near the top 10 in yards per carry rushing, but they're 20th in sacks allowed. Last year sticks out like a sore thumb when you're looking at that. It was the only time they were both good run blocking and pass blocking. I think we expected last year to be the new norm, and it appears that last year was the anomaly that these guys are nice players, but they're certainly not, you know, the the equal to the Dallas offensive line like they were talked up in the offseason.
1: Yeah, it's tough to see that for a whole year, though, last year, and then... To have it just be this different But I I don't know It it doesn't seem to me that the pass protection Is all that much worse Mm -hmm. It, It just seems like Aaron's holding the ball A little bit longer And I think probably notably with that Is that you don't have a receiver getting open very quickly Yeah I, I don't know. I mean, you can clearly see that Lacey's not the same back. Mm-hmm. And even yesterday, Starks has looked good this year, but he had some holes and made nobody miss ever.
0: Yeah, it went me, down first contact every time. Yeah, he
1: had four yards before he'd get contact, which is exactly what you want, and then he'd go down. Yeah. So I, I guess in, in terms of what I think, yes, they're worse than last year, but would I blame it for their struggles? Not Not much. Maybe a little bit, but small percentage
0: yeah and I forgot to give my reason why I don't think this is the case because while it still might be true that 2014 was the best this offensive line is capable of playing and may never play that good again it's never affected their offense in 2010 10th in points 9th in yards eleven first first in points third in yards twelve fifth in points 13th in yards thirteen eighth 8th in points third in yards when Aaron Rodgers missed half the season they were top 10 in both points and top 5 in yards First in points last year, 6th in yards when they had their absolute monster season. This year, 11th in points, 21st in yards. So they're maybe not as good as they were touted. But they never have been, and their offense has still been cooking. So I don't think that can be the tipping point for this
1: year. Yeah, they've always made up for it. I mean, I just think back to like 08 and 09 when Rogers was getting sacked 100 times a year, and, and they were still moving the ball and scoring. And that's about as bad as an offensive line can get. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think that this team is as bad as those offensive lines were, but it's the offense is, is way worse.
0: Yeah, and... Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't think it's, they're certainly contributing to the downfall, but it can't be this, the, the key reason, I don't think. All right, number four, the lack of Eddie Lacy slash dominant running back. Uh, this is certainly possible because he really changed the dynamic of the offense. As you heard yeah. me rattling off the yards per carry numbers, he got him in the, near the top of the league in yards per carry once he came on the scene, uh, and they forced teams to commit more to stop the run, and so that gave them more options and really opened up passing lanes for Rodgers. However, I still don't think this is that likely because of the years 2010 through 2012, their leading rushers were. Brandon Jackson finishing 33rd in the NFL in rushing. James Starks finishing 38th in the NFL in rushing. And with an 11-5 and team, Aaron Rodgers having one of the best years ever, they were fifth in the NFL in scoring with Alex friggin' Green as their leading rusher in 2012. It's not—Eddie Lacy's been terrible, and he could help this offense a lot right now, but the fact that they don't have a running game— they never had a running game until Eddie Lacy got here. Um Well, they had it with Ryan Grant, but those three years when they were killing everybody in 10, 11, and 12, they had no rushing game, and it didn't matter at all.
1: Yeah, and it definitely was something that helped with the offense over the top the last couple of years. That's a huge addition to your offense, but they mm-hmm. still made it work without it, like you mentioned. And not having a run game doesn't make your quarterback inaccurate and, <laughs> and yeah. make bad decisions and so although I would love to have a dominant Lacey back and you might have won that game yesterday had you had a good run game you probably would have yeah but still the passing attack I think would be kind of the same
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Rodgers has been able to overcome these things in the past not having a run game not having an offensive line and it doesn't seem like the Lacey thing is the difference right now
0: no it, it, it certainly doesn't because yeah I mean they tried with James Starks and, and that didn't work either not that he's The talent of Lacey, when they're both at their peaks, Lacey's much better than James Starks, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. But they've done it with lesser talent than Eddie Lacey, that's for sure. I mean, Brandon Jackson was the starting running back in Super Bowl forty-five. Yeah. So, all right, and the fifth reason, Uh, this is just one angle to it, but it's all encompassing around the same guy, Aaron Rodgers. And I've seen this several places, mainly from uh, commenters or radio call-ins, the idea that Aaron Rodgers has peaked as a talent, and it's certainly plausible. It's not unprecedented for somebody to have peaked by his age. Marino peaked in his mid-20s. Um, he was phenomenal in his mid early to mid-20s, and then he really cooled off, and his last elite season was in 94 when he was 33, and he pretty much was a shell of himself after that point. Brett Favre, as good as he was for his whole career, There's no argue that outside of that anomaly in 2009, he absolutely peaked in his mid-20s when he was with Mike Holmgren in 94 through 97. That was, what, he was 25 through 28 there. That absolutely was his his peak as a production value. Boomer Esiason and Jim Everett were on their way towards Hall of Fame careers and slammed into a brick wall when they turned 30 and weren't very good after that. Uh, Aikman peaked incredibly early. But it's probably not likely. Steve Young never peaked. He played great until he was in his late 30s. Same could be said for Montana. And you got Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning didn't peak until halfway through last year. Uh, You got guys like Tarkenton and Staubach who played great into their late 30s. So I doubt that is the case, but it's certainly possible that the 38 touchdowns and five interception seasons are over. At least, Although it appears he might get to that this year, but anybody watching it, it, he's got 21 touchdowns and three picks right now, but that's the worst way ever to get to 21 touchdowns and three picks, I think.
1: Yeah, that'll be interesting at the end of the year if he ends up putting up you know 40 touchdowns and six picks. And if he keeps playing like this, it's all just like fourth quarter, just desperately trying to get back into games, and he's just still not throwing interceptions. Yeah, um, Yeah, that's that's really hard to swallow to think that after three really bad games that he's just peaked. Because although he hasn't put up quite the numbers he has in the past this year, we saw in the first few weeks of the season he was still making all the throws that he always has. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to me that that would be the case, that he's just peaked. I, I find that really hard to believe. So I, I hope that we both think that that's not the case. I hope that we're right. And I just I don't see how that could possibly happen. I, and even if he has peaked a little bit physically... You would think that he has the tools to kind of be that guy that can, like, like a Brady can. That he's accurate enough and smart enough that he could overcome that and not be a bad quarterback. You know, like Peyton Manning yesterday. Yeah. I, I mean, he's. I'm not buying that. He I, he's playing bad, absolutely, and that's probably the biggest reason why they aren't winning. But I, I wouldn't say it's because he's peaked.
0: Yeah, and and I I just brought that up because I thought it was an interesting point to argue. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think it's. I don't think. I said that before last year that I don't think he'd ever be as good as he was in 2011. And arguably last year he was. It's hard to do that all the time. It's going to be so weird for the modern quarterback, like you said, if at the end of this year he could very easily finish with 38 touchdowns and 5 picks like he did last year. But if you watch it, it's not even close to the same. And it's, it's just kind of a weird thing with the way the league is designed right now. But... Yeah, there's something going on. The thing I worry about with him is that it, it seems unfair to say because he's physically like exactly the same size as Brett Favre, but I worry about his durability. It just, he looks small out there, doesn't he? And I know we used to have that sound bite. I don't appreciate that when somebody said that about him on 60 Minutes back in the day, but, um, I don't know. You wonder if he's just going to keep getting beat up because, you know, all of the other quarterbacks are three inches taller than him and heavier than him, and um, I don't know. I, I always think of the Phil Simms quote where he says, by the time I was in my final season, I was 39 years old, and there wasn't one thing a defense could do to me that I didn't know was coming, but my body wasn't good enough to react to it anymore. Mm-hmm. And he's certainly far from that point, but you wonder how that's going to shape out towards the rest of his career.
1: Yeah, that. That's kind of been the thought in the back of my mind, and I'm sure a lot of Packer fans is you just wonder if this might be one of those things where at the end of the year they're like, oh yeah, he had like a partially torn whatever in his, you know, in his shoulder or something, and we're yeah. like, well, that kind of explains it. And you hate to just blame it on injuries just because somebody's all of a sudden playing bad. I mean, as an NFL player, you're allowed to have a few bad games here and there, and it's going to happen. Yeah. But this is just so drastically different from what we've seen. You you kind of wonder if there's something else going on that we just haven't heard about yet.
0: Yeah, because if you're watching the games, he just seems so, for lack of a better term, gun-shy. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't have confidence in anything, it feels like. And, yeah, the offensive line has been playing poorly, but you could argue that he's been under duress for his whole career. He's always running for his life. Um, 2012, he had, what, 38 touchdowns and 9 picks, or 39 touchdowns, 8 picks, something like that, and they were 31st in the league in sacks allowed, so, I don't know, but it he just doesn't look right right now. So, of those five reasons, those are five explanations I just wanted to debate. I don't know if any of them, it's probably a combination of all of them, but if if you had to pick right now, it doesn't have to be one of my five, what do you think is wrong with this offense? What is causing it?
1: Well, I, I think they're all definitely factors, and I think if we could kind of change your fifth point to Rodgers just not playing up to his normal level or – full potential whatever's wrong confidence injury something that and the offensive play calling and strategy I think are the the two main things and I think they kind of have to be mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to have a better Lacey a better offensive line and a better receiving core but I think regardless if you have what you had in the past with Rodgers you can still make it work and that's the cog that's not moving right now
0: yeah I, I think I'd have to agree with you and I guess that gives me hope that they can turn it around because Aaron is just such a good player. Unless, you, like you said, there's some undisclosed injury that we find out about in February. But he just doesn't look right. And and I don't know if it's a confidence thing or a physical thing because he missed more throws yesterday than I can ever remember him missing. Right. And then all of his best throws were dropped. So not only are you rattled because you don't have it physically, but then you start mistrusting or not. Trusting your teammates anymore. I can't imagine what that was like, man. They, they, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they can turn it around. It's clear that what we talked about for the six and zero start was, yeah, this offense isn't performing very well. After week three on, they haven't been performing well, and we're like, well, once we get Devonte Adams back, well, it's clear that he's not a replacement for Jordy Nelson. He. He got open.
1: Make him yesterday. What was it, 21 targets?
0: Yeah, and he dropped his go-route, and he arguably dropped the two-point conversion. The guy who covered him on the two-point conversion, by the way, was signed on Saturday. Jeez. And, uh, I mean, who? P- Perillo was the, the best thing they had going on offense.
1: Yeah, he was the best offensive player yesterday, probably.
0: So, yeah, I, I hate to say that we're sitting here and saying, well, if Rodgers plays better they can turn it around well they're running out of time I mean I know it's only week nine but you only have seven games left you're now a game back in the division and you basically having lost to the Lions Minnesota's already swept the Lions and they've beaten the Bears once you got to sweep Minnesota if you're going to win this division and you basically can't lose you have to match them step for step and now I don't they're seven and two I don't think they're necessarily going to continue that but if you lose on Sunday the division's over I I I pretty much think the division's over because they could clinch it well before you get to Lambeau Field in Week 17 because you lost to the Lions. So there's no tiebreaker at the end of the year like there was last year with Detroit because you, they're going to have the tiebreaker in division even if you split the games.
1: Yeah, I mean that's it's hard to argue against that, and you know. I, you keep hearing today, like, well, maybe McCarthy's going to step in more with the offense, but it's like you would kind of hope he would have done that already, right? I mean,
0: yeah. after well, the,
1: the two games before that, we were already hitting the panic button, and the media was, and I would hope McCarthy noticed that something was wrong, too. That's where, why where I'm kind of like, well, I think they'll get it turned around. It, it doesn't really seem that plausible because if they haven't done that already, I don't know how you just all of a sudden do that.
0: Yeah, well, I, they've been saying wait and see with Dom Capers for four and a half seasons.
1: Yeah, I I just don't know what switch you flip here. Unless of course Rodgers kind of turns back to the normal him and starts playing out of his mind. I don't know what switch you flip that you're all of a sudden good again. I.
0: But how many times? <laughs> how many times? Ta- for every R E L A X moment, how many times have we come on this podcast and said, "This is the week." They're playing. They're now in the playoffs. Here in 2012, Rogers is going to flip that switch and turn it on. Or. Man, he's got his back against the wall. Now he's gonna flip that switch, and he's finally gonna rise up and beat Seattle. Or ri- yeah,
1: he's I mean, gonna show those Forty ers who's boss. He's got all this extra motivation. And yeah. You lose to him every single time. And it
0: never happens. Yeah. So, what are they gonna flip the switch on a Don or on on a Mike Zimmer defense? I almost said Don Zimmer, the Yankee uh, guy <laughs> who Pedro Martinez threw to the ground. But maybe they could beat a Don Zimmer defense, perhaps. Maybe. But, yeah, I. They struggled with Minnesota last year.
1: And you just played Detroit, who has... <laughs>
0: the 32nd ranked defense, defense going into defense, yesterday.
1: And you were completely <laughs> shut down. Yeah. So I don't know how you plan to do that this week against Minnesota. It just doesn't seem to make sense. I mean, maybe it'll happen. But, I mean, just looking at it from an analytical standpoint, how is that possible?
0: <laughs> yeah, you'd have to be a fool at this point to expect it to happen. Um, I, I, I don't want to spoil our picks already, but... I, there is no way the team that we've seen the last three weeks has any chance of winning in Minnesota. I, I don't see it.
1: But, yeah, who would have thought that coming into the year? <laughs>
0: who would have thought that three weeks ago?
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, that's insanity.
1: To think that this team had no chance, like to even think that this team had no chance to beat anybody. I mean, you could have looked at the schedule, even, you know, going to play Seattle, like you wouldn't have said that. But to think it's against the Vikings and Teddy Bridgewater is just kind of embarrassing.
0: Well, you lost at home to the 1-7 Lions. I mean, forget the 24 years in a row and all that stuff. That They were bound to lose to Detroit. But they beat them. They beat a playoff-bound Detroit Lions team with Matt Flynn at quarterback. And they beat Detroit, a playoff-bound Detroit Lions team with... When Aaron Rodgers had a torn calf and they beat great Detroit Lion playoff bound teams with beat up Packer teams with Brett Favre at the helm. And to lose this one, they a two and ten Packer team beat Detroit at home in two thousand five. To have it end against this lousy Lions team, who's had a plethora of lousy teams in recent years. I mean, the only thing that would have been more indignant was would to be to have lost to the 0 16 team, at, in the last game of the 2008 season. But to be six and two with your season in the balance, saying all week this is a proving ground, and to lose in that way to a Lion team that didn't play good at all.
1: Yeah, they were awful. <laughs> And they've been awful all year. We've seen plenty of Lions games, and they played as they normally do, and maybe even worse than normal, and you still let them have it.
0: They missed two extra points. (laughs) They threw an interception in the red zone on a drive that could have clinched the game, and then anybody who ever wants to bash Brandon Bostic again is out of line. If Calvin Johnson, an all-universe wide receiver, I know he's on the down end of his career, but if he botches an onside kick, that's proof to everyone that catching an onside kick is really, really hard. And he botches an onside kick. And then the field goal, from what I've heard, was blocked by Tim Mastey's other hand. Oh, my gosh. Like, that kind of stuff. That's why I asked that question to you texting and why I asked it on Twitter was, what is more likely right now, if you had to bet, that the Packers turn it around and go win the Super Bowl or that the Packers lose almost all the rest of their games and McCarthy gets fired? which seems more likely right now because the latter when you're losing on your own blocked field goals and you can't do anything and you've restructured your whole team and ruined it I think the latter is much more likely than the former right now neither are going to happen but it's ridiculous right now I I don't know if you're on that team how you don't ha- how you haven't lost confidence had a lot of different uh, uh leaders right now
1: right yeah and- with that, I would still pick the Super Bowl option, not by much, but and maybe that's just me relying on what I've seen in the past from this team. I just can't picture them being this bad for the rest of the year. But as we just talked about, I don't know how they dig out of that either, so I don't have a good answer for that. Yeah. It's just, I can't picture the bad end of that happening, where they don't turn this around for the rest of the year. I just, I still see this team as, as getting into the playoffs, and at least having a shot at a run, maybe. But, again, I don't know how they do it.
0: Yeah, I don't know either. Is is this the most embarrassing loss in recent regular season history for the Packers?
1: I can't think of any off the top of my head. I mean, you've had worse ones in terms of more heartbreaking, obviously. But in terms of just bad play, I can't think of any that have been worse than that.
0: The only one I can think of that's close is the 97 loss at the 0-10 Colts.
1: Oh, yeah, yep, that one was pretty bad, too.
0: But at least you lost 38-41 to in a shootout, and most of the points were provided by weird turnovers. And it's still, you know, 38 points is a lot, so you shouldn't give up that many points. And I I think, if I remember right, Paul Justin was the quarterback for the, the Colts. It wasn't even Harbaugh. So that one was bad, but that's still on the road, in a dome, it's not at home against an inept opponent that has gotten blown out for a month straight. It's ugh. I, it, although it is in the division, so that you know, division games tend to be a little closer, no matter how bad the team is. All right, um, I don't. I don't really have much else to say about this game. It's 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 to the point. I, We're not alone in this, that we're at a loss for words. I came up with those five reasons so we'd have something to talk about because the truth of the matter is, this is so perplexing. I cannot think of a more confusing team I've ever watched in Packer history. It, to just have their offense completely deflated at week four, they scored 38 points one week and then since then they can't do anything. It's so bizarre.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, there's no point of breaking this game down any further than we already have. I mean, you could go into all the kind of the weird things and the individual positions, but it's all the same stuff we've been saying for the last few weeks and for the last few years, and it's just, uh, there, there's nothing to be said. I guess we got to move on and just hope they figure something out.
0: At least this game might have killed RELAX forever, because nobody's yeah. saying that today. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, so some other interesting things that happened in the Packer game. Um, I don't know if you heard Rogers' post game press conference, but he really rightly denounced whoever was yelling some crap during the moment of silence that they had at the stadium. And apparently, somebody said some anti-Muslim slurs, and I didn't hear them, but that sure- certainly doesn't make uh, Green Bay look
1: all that great. No, I, I didn't hear exactly what the guy said, and I thought about rewinding it when I heard it, but I didn't think much of it, and then I just, you could hear another guy go, show some respect, in the yeah, background. Yeah, I heard that one. Yeah, but um, I, I didn't watch Rodgers' interview, I I, I kind of, I heard what I, or I read what I think was said, I'm not 100% sure, but yeah, I've seen mm-hmm. that posted everywhere today, that well, I guess if you're going to get asked that question, I would hope you would say that as an NFL player, <laughs> that you would you're against it, it just means more when he says it, I guess, than anybody else.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess so, and... Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to get too much into this. Obviously, I'll say it anyways. that you know obviously we're very troubled by what happened in Paris and we we feel for those people. But as you and I were talking privately, it the NFL kind of gave them a little bit of a pass because there's such a public forum and so it was nice to kind of show the olive branch to France by having the moment of silence and stuff. Yeah, but for sure. there's so much going on where. Clearly, everybody feels awful and feels very supportive of the French people, but it's, again, kind of another sign of that slacktivism that we have so much now where everybody just wants it. it, it, At what point is it genuine concern versus just wanting the credit for being a concerned individual? And I found it a little, I don't know if it's strange is the word, but uncomfortable that the NFL kind of took the tragedy in Paris to have another flag-waving USA kind of thing. And it might have been having more to do with Veterans Day, which if that's what happened, I apologize. But, you know, this thing happened in France. Why do we have the 100-yard American flag? And, you know, it's like one-up and somebody at the party. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, well, 9-11, you know, I I get it. I'm not trying to, to, to be controversial or anything, but it's I have a hard time in the modern world telling when people are genuine and when they're not. I guess is the best way to put it.
1: Yeah, and I guess that's always a good opportunity to kind of bring out that yeah we're we're with Paris, you know, showing your own patriotism. I I I agree. It's kind of a fine line with that, especially, and this is a unique circumstance. I mean, we really haven't seen how the NFL is going to deal with something like this, and even on like our since we've been a modern technological society like this with you know with Twitter and Facebook and social media. I mean, there really hasn't been. There's been some tsunamis and stuff like that, but yeah. not really at this large scale of a terrorist attack against somebody else. So it's kind of curious to see how people react to that sort of stuff and almost feeling like you have to react to it in a way. Yeah,
0: And I think most people have their heart in exactly the right place, but it, it's almost like you said, there's a pressure to react. It's like if I don't change my Facebook profile to have the French flag superimposed in it, it's like I still feel for those people. I just – I don't want to – draw attention to myself that i feel this so you should feel better about me you know like you said why can't you just feel for these people and be supportive on your own without having yeah. to make a public <clears throat> spectacle of it
1: and on the dumbest thing i read all day long today i, I wish i remembered the exact author's name because I, i'd be happy to call him out on here i think it was the uh what is it called like the crescent in green bay the post crescent oh yeah
0: yep yep uh, um oh that's uh, appleton the appleton post crescent green bay's the press gazette but either one they're both owned by gannett
1: yeah, anyways, I, I was reading an article today about uh, you know, what was wrong with the Packers and it just I just saw this pop up on my Facebook, so I was curious to read it. And this guy's point that he made was, hey, let's calm down here. Like there's some bad things that happened in Paris. Like this is just a football game. Ugh. So he's like, We just need to calm down. I was like, Okay, you can't use that Ugh. in your uh it was just so bad. <laughs> in a
0: global it. society there would never be any reason to get upset about anything then.
1: They all realize that football is obviously not changing people's lives on a daily basis and their well-being. You don't have to write that in an article i just thought that was really dumb
0: well and it's such an ignorant position to take and it goes back to what we're saying where you're just trying to get the credit for being the caring individual because the truth of the matter is not that we're politics forever or anything like that but yes it's absolutely tragic what happened to france and they're a very trusted ally and 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 they've been very supportive of america since before it was a thing so it's different with them but the fact is if you're going to pull that out where you shouldn't be critical of the Packers because there's a bigger world out there, well, the perpetrators of this attack were bred during the Syrian Civil War that has been ongoing for years and years. So you could use that as the reason not to get upset since anything since 2011 or whenever it started. (laughs) If if you're just this great humanitarian who cares about the world more than football, which you should, but... (laughs) I think it's okay to keep things in silos. You, 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 you can still say I'm absolutely supportive of the the, the people of, of Paris and worldwide, and we're supportive of the fight against terrorism. But on the other end, it, Aaron Rodgers, that was a real bad throw on third down.
1: Right. I mean, it's still okay. <laughs> say
0: that. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Uh, no, we'll get off of that. I know that nobody. We're not that trusted of a source in football terms, much less uh, you know global yeah, issues. Not
1: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Um, I don't know what a catch is anymore, even more so than normal.
1: I, I thought for sure. Yesterday was weird. There was like, it seemed like there was like a dozen of those yesterday, and it's been a problem, but it was just like magnified yesterday with so many of them.
0: Yeah, and two big ones in the Giants game. Uh, Yeah. The Odell Beckham catch, which that one I sort of saw, but that interception that Tom Brady threw, I, I know that's the process of the catch and everything, but holy cow. I mean, they, up until the Calvin Johnson rule, that's been called an interception since the 1920s, and, and yesterday it's not apparently. I don't know. Yeah, it,
1: there was a whole bunch where I, th- I think it was the Odell Beckham one where he got the two feet down and then like right at the same time it got knocked out there. I saw that like three different times yesterday. It was right when he was like somebody was turning and catching it, putting that second foot down and making a football move where from your eye it looks like that's definitely a catch, mm-hmm. but they like, there were. At least it seemed like they were pretty inconsistent with it. They were all in completions, but, um, I heard a lot of people calling for them to make some clarification on that this offseason. And that, that's tough. It's easier said than done because yeah. almost every one is a little bit different.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I think they just need to. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but maybe just stop grading the referees the way they are and just give them more confidence that they can just make calls and people will live with them. I mean, maybe you open Pandora's box. No. <laughs> well, I mean, replay open Pandora's box forever, but Yeah. It's I love watching old games and where there are sort of controversial catch calls and the refs are like this is what it is, tough, we're moving on, and more often than not they're right. You know, even when you try to apply it with, through today's catch lens, most of the time they're right. And when it's close, you're willing to forgive it because everybody's just on board that, yep, the ref calls whether or not it's a catch. It's like holding or something. You know, it's it's a judgment call, and let's make it and move on. And it's impossible to ever go that, back to that point, but I wish they could.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think you almost have to at this point maybe make the rule either, you know, two feet down or that third foot touches on an actual step after the catch kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Like Just to clarify, just because right now it, it is a lot of pressure on these refs, and it's not clear-cut at all. So really, you feel like you're screwing somebody over either way, no matter what call you make, because nobody knows what the rule is.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it, it becomes kind of a... A snowball effect where there's more uncertainty and more uncertainty and less confidence in that people are going to stand by their catches and you know with coaches and even the nfl throwing referees under the bus when they disagree it's it's a weird environment um i i feel somewhat bad for the referees although not the ones in the packer game because they if some of those plays yesterday weren't illegal contact then they owe everybody refunds for having been subjected to the 2014 preseason because it was
1: ridiculous (laughs) that's ridiculous like I could take if the refs called every game like that like I don't mind a little contact that doesn't bother me but to you know see the first eight games of the season called the exact opposite and then all of a sudden Devontae Adams is getting mugged every time he's running a route it's that's tough to swallow when it's so different from every single game. You don't know what to expect.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard to play, I would imagine. Uh, you would think that the defenders just have to completely ignore him and just move on. Right. Um, Peyton Manning was benched yesterday in the game when he broke Brett Favre's record. Uh, ESPN is reporting that he has some kind of tear and some kind of Spot in his foot.
1: Yeah, plantar fasciitis in his foot, I think.
0: Wow, you sound pretty uh, intellectual right there.
1: Yeah, I know about the foot injuries. I guess.
0: Well, that's true, yeah. Did you ever do that to your foot?
1: It wasn't my plantar fasciitis. It was my Liz Bronk. Oh, okay. But they're all kind of around the same place together.
0: That's tough when you tear that Lisa Frank, you know. That's right. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> I, I don't know what the prognosis is going forward, but I don't know... It, has he been injured like that the whole time? Which, there's two ways to look at it. So either he did that in the game yesterday and he played terrible, which makes our defense look terrible, even more terrible, or he's had yeah. a messed up foot forever and that makes our defense look twice as terrible.
1: I, th- I think it was more recent. I didn't hear when he specifically injured it, but I think that was a more recent injury. I think he's just been old and bad all year, <laughs> but then yesterday the, the foot injury kind of put it over the top.
0: So old and bad Peyton. With a messed up foot, still has the courage to throw in the coverage when his team is losing. But our quarterback doesn't.
1: Well, it's okay to do that, but maybe not quite like how Peyton did it yesterday. That was kind of bad.
0: <laughs> no, I know. But there's balance. Do you see how that the world didn't end when Peyton threw four interceptions? They even lost, but, you know, life goes on. Yeah. Uh yeah. So, uh, I, let's just put an end to this past week, the. I don't know. I don't even know who's good anymore. The, the Packers and Broncos looked like they had a Super Bowl preview, and now they might both free-fall into wild-card spots or worse, which is really
1: strange. Yeah, yeah. Brock Osweiler starting going forward for the next couple of weeks, it sounds like. Wow.
0: So Peyton's got to be done, right?
1: And you would think so, unless he comes back off of this and tears it up and has a playoff run, which seems super unlikely. I would think you would definitely see him retiring at the end of this year
0: yeah yeah kind of forced into it at this point maybe the yeah. broncos will kind of and it probably depends on how osweiler plays too if he just stinks up the joint maybe they are a little bit more accepting of peyton trying to come back for one more year
1: yeah maybe one more year and try to draft somebody to develop or something like that
0: yeah uh, so we've had some really good, long comments on the Facebook page. Um, uh, Corey Bend has a link to a post that he has, which is very good, and you should take a look at it. Also, uh, Eric Hansen, just as we were recording here, uh, provides another um, long, really good comment. So I'm not going to read those on the air, guys, but uh, appreciate it, and I encourage all of our listeners to interact with us on the Facebook page and read their accounts because they're both uh, very insightful. Um, I did want to bring up a couple things here. So um, Corey Bend did mention that... It's now been 97 dropbacks since the Packers defensive line got a sack. And I don't remember who said it, but somebody said yesterday in a postgame show that it appears that the Band-Aid that was moving Clay Matthews to the inside has been solved by the NFL, and it might be time to try something else.
1: Yeah, I, I had no idea that that was the case. I guess I think back to yesterday. I didn't realize they didn't have any sacks, but I, I guess that that sounds correct.
0: <laughs> they had but, three on one play that uh, Stafford escaped and threw for a first down on. Uh, yeah,
1: that seemed to happen more than once yesterday too, where it looked like they had him, and he's not ex- an extremely mobile guy, and they couldn't wrap him up and bring him down. No, but yeah, I mean that was the thing at the beginning of this year. This was the, that was the difference between this defense and the ones of the years past is they had an awesome pass rush, and now that's non-existent.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's a little bit different when you're playing Russell Wilson, who gets sacked a lot, and Colin Kaepernick, who gets sacked a lot, and then yeah. Alex Smith, who holds the ball forever, and Nick Foles, who is just a punching bag statue. Yeah, he's too now. yeah he is. Um, I can't remember who they're starting in place of he's him. Keenum. Oh my gosh! Wow. Okay. Good luck with that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: not much better. Um. Yeah. So. Again, no answers for that either, but maybe it is time to put clay back on the outside and uh but what Nick Palmer is terrible too. So I Jake Ryan had a good game. Of, he I didn't notice him at all yesterday. He had a good game in Carolina, but can you really trust those guys to be a, be yeah, able
1: that's to that's a yeah. scary thought. He almost would rather just tough it out for the rest of the year because I don't want to see yeah, Nate Palmer and Jake Ryan in the middle. Yeah. You're, the middle of your defense is bad enough. When
0: well, you have a lot of high picks, you know, like Nick Perry and Datone Jones and all those guys, why aren't they getting a push? They're first-round draft picks. Right. I mean, they were drafted higher than Clay Matthews was, I think. Uh, Maybe not Nick Perry, but close anyways. And Eric Hansen has a lot of uh, uh, really good points as well. Um, Talking about Devontae Adams, like like we've said like this. um, He thinks perhaps the Packer fans have been a bit spoiled. I think there's no denying that. We certainly are spoiled, but... Um, it, it kind of sucks to have high expectations and have them dashed. It's, it's a weird thing. I, I don't know. We've, we've had that conversation, I, I think before on this podcast and certainly, um, off the air, but it, you almost wonder sometimes if it's worse to be a fan that is in a champion that expects their team to be in championship contention than it is to be a fan of like the bucks where you know if they almost win a playoff series it feels like a good season whereas the packers lose the nfc championship game and it feels like the worst thing ever
1: yeah it's kind of unique being a packer fan too i mean Again, not to sound spoiled, but there's just something about being a Packer fan that you can't just casually be a fan of. It seems like, Mm -hmm. Um, at least, not the dedicated fans. Whereas, like the Milwaukee Bucks, if they, you know, if they're good, awesome. If they're bad, whatever. Else to watch some of the games. There might be some markets like that with their football teams, but it's definitely not the case in Wisconsin. It's hard to just kind of passively cheer for them.
0: Yeah, and I get really upset when opposing team fans and opposing team players have that old line about, well, there's nothing to do in Green Bay, but watch the Packers, and that's why people are fans of them. And it bothers me because it's too simplistic. But in a lot of ways, they're right (laughs) in the the grand scheme of things. I mean, I like living here, obviously, but there's more of the community identity wrapped up in the Packers than there has to be anywhere else. And it feels like a, a personal shot to our way of life when the Packers aren't good, as stupid as that sounds to somebody outside of this area. But I I think I'm not – I am speaking for all Packer fans, but certainly to me it feels that way. And that – nobody ever says after the New York Giants lose – like, I'm sure people say it, but it's not overwhelming that if the Giants lose or the Yankees lose, well, New York's a trash city. Everybody hates it. It sucks. Who the hell would want to live there? And that's all you see in comments on Packers stories from outside fans whenever the Packers lose.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really strange. I mean, the, although I hate that comment too, and I lived in Green Bay for a long time, and I hated hearing that garbage. But, it, I mean, it, not only is, is that kind of true, but it's also they've been there forever. And mm-hmm. they've been there for, basically as long as Green Bay has been – a city. Yeah. For the, I mean, yeah. they've been there the whole time and it, it's the only show in town. I mean, unless you want to go watch some UWGB women <laughs> basketball, I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, and that's, that's what's there. Everybody comes together on Sundays, unlike anywhere else that I've ever experienced. And it, it's super unique. So it's, uh, it's definitely, it's hard to compare it to other markets. I mean, you can maybe say a a town like Pittsburgh or something like that, but Mm -hmm. they've even got a lot more going on than we probably do here in Green Bay. They've got other sports teams.
0: Yeah, it's probably unhealthy, is wrapped up into our lives as the Packers are, but it it is what it is. I would be curious to know, I know we have fans from other markets, how many team-specific television shows there are. This is not like access cable channels or anything. On our TV stations, like our over-the-air, ABC, NBC, CBS, we have a Packers show on Monday, two on Tuesday, two on Wednesday. Like, last year we had, I think, two on um, Monday, so that's like, we had six last year, we have five this year. We have two on Sunday night, actually three on Sunday night. We have one on Saturday morning. We have, like, three local pregame shows on Sunday morning. It's on all the time. And I want to know what that's like in, you know, out on the East Coast or, or John Bellish in Denver, how, how it is for them. Because every single night, there's a very well produced statewide syndicated Packers show on our ABC, NBC, or CBS or Fox affiliate. It's nuts. Yeah. Um, also, Eric Hansen says that it seemed like Troy Aikman was trying to say Jim Bob Cooter as much as possible yesterday.
1: Yeah, I would too. (laughs) Why wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, you don't get the
0: opportunity to say that on TV very much, so why not go for it, huh? All right, um, so we have gone a lot longer than I thought we would, but maybe we can rapid fire the week, what are we on, week 11 picks already?
1: Yeah, I don't even care at this point, so we can just pair through real quick. Until the Packers, <laughs> when I care a lot less about my other picks.
0: Yeah, and we didn't do very well at all yesterday, so everybody's letting everybody down. So no yeah, fan absolutely. base is safe. Base. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's start it off right, Thursday Night Football, with the co- color rush or whatever it's called. Yeah. A bunch more horrible, gross, disgusting uniforms, peanut butter colored for the Jaguars on Thursday. The Titans and Jaguars.
1: Yeah, call me a horrible person, and I usually hate all the Nike jerseys stuff, but it's kind of fun to see, like, one game a week where they just decide to make the worst jerseys they possibly can (laughs) and just to (laughs) see what they come up with. I kind of like to see these really awful all-gold Jags against the baby blue Titans. (laughs) <laughs> um it, it as long as they're not adopting these jerseys permanently, it's kinda of fun to see it for like one game a week, whatever on a Thursday game nobody cares about. Yeah. I will uh I think I, I kinda like what the Jags are doing lately. Blake Bortles is playing pretty well. I think I'll pick the Jags.
0: Um I'll agree with you there and I always love when they have the uniforms that look like they're the stock footage for, like, local appliance store commercials. When they oh, say, you gosh. can watch the big game, and then it's clearly footage from... you like,
1: wait, both those teams wear a colored jersey. Did they not research sports at all for
0: this <laughs> yeah, commercial? Yeah, exactly. It's, it seems to be, if they use actual footage, it's either from the movie The Replacements or from the yes. USFL. USFL, yeah. Yeah, it's really weird. The Rams at Ravens. Ugh. I'll take I'll pick first. I'll just say the Ravens cuz Case Keenum's not very good and um whatever, they're at home.
1: Yeah, those were The Ravens are really bad. Yeah, they are. A 2 and 7. You kind of almost want to pick the Rams just cuz their defense was a little better, but I don't trust the Case Keenum team, <laughs> I guess at all. I'll pick Baltimore too.
0: Really, really quick side conversation. How bad do the Ravens have to finish to jeopardize John Harbaugh's job?
1: Uh you would think like a 3 and 13 would probably I don't even know if that would do it. I don't know if they could.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure either. You know, what Super Bowl three years ago that would be. Yeah, tough.
1: And, yeah, I, I would think you got to hang on to him again. The team they have put together is pretty poor. I think that's more of a GM thing than a coach thing.
0: Yeah, uh, Redskins at Panthers. Wow, Carolina's never going to lose. Carolina.
1: Yeah, I'll take the Panthers too.
0: Cowboys at Dolphins.
1: Um, it sounds like Romo might play. That, that would definitely he, change my pick here. He's
0: eligible to play. Um, this, this is tough to pick at this stage of the,
1: yeah, it really is. I'll take a flyer, whatever. If da- I'll pick Dallas. I think if Romo plays and Des Bryant's there, I think they
0: win. If they're smart, they would not play Romo, uh, across from Dominican Sue because he's going to get like a German suplex or something.
1: Yeah. I'll stop on his throat or something. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'll take the dolphins just to make it interesting. The Broncos at the bears, the red hot bears who are probably going to be in second place by the end of Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, I'll take the Bears. If Os- Osweiler's playing, I, they've been playing so well lately. Cutler's playing well. I, I think it'll probably be low scoring, but I'll take Chicago.
0: I will as well. The Raiders at the Lions. Yeah,
1: the Raiders are another team that's hard to pick, but I think even if De- though Detroit won, they looked awful doing it, so I'll pick the
0: Raiders. <laughs> yeah, I'll agree. The Lions played as bad as they always did. The, they found a team that wanted to play worse yesterday, so yeah. I'll take the Raiders as well. The Jets at Texans. Why do I like? Why do I watch football? Yuck.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, Jets, I guess.
0: Uh, yeah, I'll agree. Colts at Falcons. This one could be, well, no, it's not, because it's going to be Matt Hasselbeck, because, um, luck is torn his spleen or whatever. No, kidney. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
1: Just all of it. It's
0: not funny that you tore your kidney, but gosh, that's got to hurt. Ow, how does that happen?
1: I don't know. I, I guess you got to pick Atlanta here at home. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Indy won two games with Hasselbeck before, but I don't know if they can beat a decent
0: team. Yeah, I would agree. And the Falcons coming off a bye, I think, right? They didn't play yesterday. Yeah. Okay, so I'll pick them. The Buccaneers at the Eagles. Um I'll pick Philadelphia cuz Tampa won so it's their week to lose.
1: Yep, same here.
0: Chiefs at Chargers. The uh, San Diego's really bad and they always find a way to lose. I'll pick Kansas City.
1: I'll pick the Chargers here. I keep picking them over and over again and I'm going to get this one wrong, I'm sure, but <laughs> I just I see them winning eventually. I think these two teams are kind of on the same level, so their their records got to even out.
0: Sure. The 49ers at Seahawks. So a game that used to be really good and now doesn't seem to matter anymore.
1: What a big win for Arizona last night, by the way.
0: Yep. I didn't even stay up to watch it. I was so tired. I didn't even care.
1: I didn't, I watched some of the first half, but uh, yeah, I thought they ended up hanging on, but I'll pick Seattle here.
0: Yeah, I will too. San Francisco stinks. Blaine Gabbard's not going to play any good. In Seattle.
1: No, probably not.
0: So a game that must have been flexed, I would assume, the Bengals at the Cardinals on Sunday Night Football because the Cardinals just played on Sunday Night Football. So I'd assume yeah. this has to be a flex game.
1: Should be a good one though.
0: Yeah, it should be real good. I'll I'll pick the Cardinals to finally end the Bengals' streak.
1: Yeah, same here. And I, I'd like to pick against the Bengals in primetime here tonight, but they're playing the Texans, and they're always so bad in primetime. And this definitely seems like a, a game that they lose.
0: Yeah, agreed. And a real bad Monday night football game next week, the Bills at the Patriots. New England.
1: Yeah, I, I'll agree. I, I don't know. I'm a little tempted here, actually. I think it's going to be a better game than you're you're making it sound like. It. New England, they're losing everybody. Yeah. They, they lost Edelman. They lost Ian Lewis. They lost their left tackle. They, they have, like, nothing left, and they tried their best to give that game away yesterday, and they're playing against Rex Ryan. And uh, LaShawn McCoy's playing really well lately, so... I think it's going to be close. I think this could be one they lose, but I, I'm going to stick mm. with New England.
0: Wow. Yeah. I I guess. I mean, they still got Gronk and they still got Tom Brady. And but yeah. yeah, I I don't know. So, but
1: he fumbled and tried to throw two picks at the end of the game on their last three drives last night <laughs> that's too. True.
0: There was something in the water this weekend. Western Illinois beating Wisconsin and Ronda Rousey getting destroyed and yeah, yeah, it was and
1: like four of the top ten in college football losing.
0: Yeah, it, it was strange. All right, so let's never, ever talk about this game ever again. Um, Hopefully the Packers are able to make something through the rest of the season. I just realized we didn't pick the Packer game. Um, With that being said, Matt, Packers and Vikings – You hate to say a must-win this early, but it basically is because not only will they fall behind Minnesota, but they'll have two division losses. And the Minnesota, by beating the Packers, could have a maximum of one division loss. So basically, the Packers would have to have a what? They'd have to be at least tied with Minnesota record-wise on Week 17 to be able to win the division. So um, it's gonna be tough.
1: Yeah, and I, I I stupidly want to pick the Packers here, but I think if I'm going to make my pick, I'm going to pick Minnesota just because you know, you've know you seen this Packer team three weeks in a row look this bad. You're playing against a good defense, a better one than you just saw, and you're playing against a better offense with an outstanding running back who I think AP ran for 200 yards yesterday. Yeah. And against our defense, it's probably going to be about 500. So <laughs> I, I I think the Packers could pull it out, but I'm going to pick against it for now, just to maybe hope that I'm wrong.
0: Yeah, and my philosophy this year on picks, although it's failed me last week, but for the most part this year it's been pretty accurate, is I pick whichever team I think is better, and I don't think there's any arguing that Minnesota is better than the Packers right now, especially at home. It's it's going to be a tough game being at 325, so a late afternoon game. Oh, man, yeah, the Vikings are going to win, and let this be a lesson to all fans that just because you want revenge for something doesn't mean you're ever going to get it, and... Uh, Man, that 2014 game is gonna be another fourth and 26 that it, it is gonna sting forever. Uh, because there doesn't look like they're gonna redeem it this year. And then Rodgers is another year older and who knows what happens with a lot of other things. You know, Jordy Nelson coming back as a 30-something year old trying to revive this offense. Um, it's certainly not over, but it feels a bit like a, 2002 type Packer team where you feel like Favre's got years left, but you don't know if they're going to get good in time to make them matter. Mm -hmm. So not to leave on that dire note, but (laughs) I mean, we got to tell the T-R-U-T-H, right? On this show. That's right. So that's what we're all about. Hopefully we're wrong, and it certainly would not be the first time we're wrong. Um, maybe the Packers can rise up, but until they do, there's no reason to think they will. But, you know, crazier things have happened as this weekend has proved. So for Matt and Altoona, I am Eric in Appleton. Thank you very much for joining us. If you'd like to chime in with uh, some of our great fans who have already done so, uh, you can leave a comment now underneath the podcast on the Podbean page, uh, greengoldforever.podbean.com. That's the number four. Our complete archives are there as well. Uh, Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter, which many of you did and interacted with uh, me yesterday, at Green Gold Forever on Twitter. And... Uh, Hit us up on there. So keep in touch with the show. Try to enjoy this weekend. At this point, there's really no explaining what's going to happen. So the pressure is off, I guess, and we can just sit back and see what's going to happen. Hopefully it's good things. Take care, everyone.